Facebook and its parent company, Meta, are having a very bad month. Ever since Mark Zuckerberg launched the social media platform from his Harvard dorm room, he's been focused on growth. More users in more places until the entire world is connected. We have built and grown service after service that put people and our connections and our relationships at the center of the experience. But for the first time in its 18-year history, the company reported some concerning news. This is the day Facebook stood still, reporting a drop in daily active users for the first time, watching investors get pummeled, losing $200 billion in stock market value. Facebook has weathered scandal after scandal, but its user numbers haven't taken a hit until now. So what does that mean for one of big tech's biggest companies? I'm Malika Bilal, and this is The Take. Today I'm talking to someone who covers Meta, Facebook's parent company, through all of its ups and downs. My name is Alex Heath, and I'm a senior reporter at The Verge. Earlier this month, Facebook reported something unusual. For the first time in 18 years, its number of daily users declined. What exactly does that mean? And why was it so bad for Facebook? Well, it's bad because Facebook has been growing nonstop since the company was founded. And it was only 1 million users that it declined by. But this is a company that has always grown. And so I think investors particularly saw that as a worrisome sign that perhaps this incredible growth story that's really been unprecedented. The company has more than 2 billion daily users, more than any individual country in the world, that maybe that narrative was coming to an end. And so obviously they could rebound that growth a little bit, but there's a consensus now that they may have hit their ceiling. Meta, which is the company as a whole, isn't just Facebook. So it's also got WhatsApp. It's got Instagram. Are they faring better? Those apps, based on a lot of estimates, are still growing, though they're also growing slower. And that's really a function of them hitting pretty much everyone with a stable internet connection on planet Earth. There's not a lot of people left, so a lot of their efforts are actually bringing internet connectivity to parts of the world where it's underdeveloped. Facebook is coming up with a fascinating idea. They want to provide free internet service to many parts of Africa that currently do not get internet service. So that's why you see them investing in things like data cables that span oceans, right? So they're trying to bring whole economies online. So the decline in users came alongside more bad news, which is that Meta stock tanked by quite a bit. Facebook owner Meta Platforms found itself in an alternate reality Thursday as shares of the company fell as much as 26 percent, dragging down the entire U.S. stock market. Is that just because people aren't going on Facebook or what's that about? The stock did tank a lot. So Meta set a record for the most value of a stock lost in a day. And they had set the previous record in 2018. So they're on a roll here. They lost over $200 billion. So a lot of market value. So as a comparison, New Zealand's GDP is around $200 billion. And that's just the value Meta lost over the course of a day. 
But Alex says Meta's money problems aren't just because fewer people are logging onto its apps. It's also about how the company makes money off the people who do visit them. So Meta makes pretty much all of its money off of the ads you see in Facebook and Instagram. That advertising revenue is coming under pressure. Now, there are a few reasons for that. Some of it is because of regulations, and we'll get to that in a bit. But one big reason is that a lot of people, and I'm one of them, don't necessarily want their internet activity tracked. And last year, Apple made a change that made it easier for users to decide what Facebook can and can't see. If you have an iPhone, this might sound familiar. Listeners have probably been seeing this a lot in the last couple of years when you open an iOS app on your iPhone for the first time, says, do you want to be tracked or not? A lot of people are hitting no on that. So it blocks this thing called third-party data sharing. Facebook historically built its ad business off of things like like buttons and little hooks and signups and other apps where it can kind of siphon off some of the data in other apps, potentially without you even knowing it. User data, our data, is Facebook's core business. It's a very profitable one even if its parent company can lose a couple hundred billion dollars in a day. In order to become that profitable, it casts a pretty wide net to watch what its users are up to. Facebook does allow you to see this data in your privacy settings, and it's interesting to learn what they've got their hands on. When I looked it up, I found out that more than 1,600 apps and websites have used Facebook's business tools to share my activity with the social media company. Obviously, the scope of Facebook's data collection has been pretty controversial for a while now. That process led to a lot of the blowback we've seen with Cambridge Analytica, for example, where someone harvested data used by a Facebook quiz and it left the company's walls and then was misused. Facebook may have mishandled data for more than 50 million users. That allowed Cambridge Analytica, a consulting firm once employed by the campaigns of Donald Trump and Ted Cruz, to access data to try to sway users' votes. So there's been a reckoning for this kind of data collection already happening. And what Apple said is, look, we're just going to make this really clear and the user gets to decide if this happens or not. And Meta said that that change alone is gonna cost them at least $10 billion in advertising revenue this year alone. Wow. Yeah, it's a lot of money. And so they're behind the scenes rebuilding their entire ads infrastructure to essentially know a lot less about you. And that's the trend where all these tech companies are going is because of regulators saying, we think our constituents don't wanna be tracked. We're gonna put regulation in place, particularly in the European Union, right now to limit this kind of tracking. These companies are having to rework how all their ad systems target, and that's taking a while and it's very disruptive. So about the European regulations that Alex mentioned, those hit the headlines last week, and yet another bit of bad news for the company. There are these potential regulations coming in the EU that would essentially block the ability for data about Europeans to be sent back to say, an American tech company that's operating a product in Europe, so the data wouldn't be able to flow across the Atlantic back to the U.S. European regulators say that data stored in the U.S. is more vulnerable to surveillance from American national security agencies. So in the information they released to investors in February, Meta mentioned that operating around those kinds of regulations 
could have a big impact on their Europe business. And Meta, they've actually been saying this for a while, but a lot of reporters just picked up on it this time, that if this were to happen, it would severely impact their ability to operate in Europe. And they said, you know, we may have to be forced to not even operate in Europe if this really goes the full direction that the lawmakers are pushing it towards. Some reporters read that as a kind of implicit threat. And that's not something those lawmakers would necessarily mind. When asked about it, here's what Bruno Le Maire, France's economy minister, had to say. I can assure you that you can live well without Facebook and that we could live very well without Facebook. I think these big tech groups are not used to having people resist them and we are determined to resist them. After that exchange, Meta was quick to clarify. They issued a response titled, Meta is absolutely not threatening to leave Europe. But they're walking a fine line. And Alex says the politicians pushing back against the social media giant are too. And not just in Europe, but everywhere. I would venture to say that most of them do use it to probably raise money for campaigning and to reach their constituents. That's certainly the case here in the U.S. It's actually kind of funny to see a lot of our lawmakers in the U.S. that decry Meta use it a lot for their campaigns. It's mutually assured destruction to a degree here. So, Alex, this isn't the first time that people have predicted Facebook's demise. And one of the reasons for that is something that you have written about yourself, which is Facebook has a hard time attracting a younger audience. Anyone with teens or tweens can attest Facebook is just not that cool. Why is that? Who actually likes Facebook? Well, yeah, we do know from a lot of their internal data, very recent data, that they are painfully aware that they're increasingly irrelevant with really people under the age of 30, especially on the the main Facebook app. Instagram still has a, a really strong foothold with young people, but it's actually losing that as well to a degree to younger rivals like TikTok, Roblox, even Snapchat still. And so they are spinning their wheels trying to come up with ways to be cooler again, right? And so you see this metaverse push where we're all going to be hanging out as virtual avatars and headsets. That's been Mark Zuckerberg's latest attempt at staying relevant. The company has recently put a lot of effort and a lot of money, around $10 billion in a year, towards making virtual and augmented reality hardware. We are still the company that designs technology around people. But now we have a new North Star to help bring the metaverse to life. And then in the more you know real world, you've got Reels, which is their competitor to TikTok. It's the center tab in the Instagram app, the you know swipeable endless thing of videos. They're basically trying to copy TikTok like they did Snapchat stories. And so the pressure is really on for that to work because they see young people increasingly spending more time on other services. And that actually presents an interesting dichotomy to the antitrust debate about whether they're for sure a monopoly or not. But yeah, they're definitely struggling with the youth, you could say. <laughs> so this seems like it has been a bad month for Meta, but the company has been embroiled in seemingly endless amounts of scandal for a while now. Facebook in India has been selective in curbing hate speech, misinformation and inflammatory posts 
This is according to leaked documents obtained by the Associated Press. Lawyers in the United States and the United Kingdom are suing Facebook on behalf of Rohingya refugees. They say the social media platform allowed the spread of hate speech, misinformation, and ultimately calls to violence. For years, Facebook gave some of the world's largest technology companies more intrusive access to users' personal data than it has disclosed. Do you think that there's anything different this time around about the problems that it's facing? Why are they seeing this kind of crash after years of bad press? I think this time is unique because there's pressure on so many sides. In the past, it's been pressure on the way they handle speech on the platform. We turn now to Facebook and the growing list of companies that have vowed to stop advertising on the platform over how it handles hate speech and other content that they consider harmful. Or bad PR about past scandals with data privacy mishaps. Facebook shared your private information with more than 150 other companies. Right now you've got this perfect storm of their business is being challenged by things like Apple's tracking prompt. Their user base is increasingly looking to other services that are more relevant to them, like TikTok. And... They're also spending billions of dollars a year, at least $10 billion alone this year, on this idea of building the metaverse, which is this thing that CEO Mark Zuckerberg has been very open, will not probably make them money for a decade wow. at the very least. And so they're spending all this money on this unproven thing, while at the same time, their core business is really under attack on all sides. So I do think this is different, and I do think this is a pivotal moment for them. You have interviewed... Zuckerberg in the past. What was he like? Yeah, he's um, he's complicated. I think anyone in that position has to be, but he likes to think in the future, not so much the current, definitely not the past. And I think that's sometimes to the company's detriment because he is the controlling shareholder in the company. He has universal say on really anything that he wants to get done there. And he's very focused on this metaverse idea, on this thing they're spending all their money on for VR headsets and AR glasses and smartwatches and all these things that they're not known for today. And sometimes I do wonder if that's a potential drawback to the challenges they face today. But he's super engaged. You know, I, he, um, we've seen a lot of big tech CEOs step down, but I don't think he has any intentions of doing that. He's relatively young compared to all the other big tech CEOs. Mm -hmm. And so that makes it an interesting company to cover, frankly, because when you have that kind of founder control in a company like that, uh, you see very dramatic, big bet the farm uh, moves like this metaverse thing. So he's a he's a complicated guy. Um, <laughs> he's not as evil as he may seem, but he's also got a lot of challenges in front of him. Yeah. So at the end of the day, we are still talking about an incredibly profitable company and nearly 2 billion people a day are still using the core product, which is Facebook. Do you think that this will lead to a real decline in power? It has the potential to over time. And this is one of Zuckerberg's kind of greatest fears is that in the same way that social networks get better and compound as more people join, right? Because you have more people to talk to and interact with. The reverse is also true. If people start to leave or they start to use the service less, 
it's a spiraling effect because it's not just that person. It's the people that they're friends with all of a sudden are seeing less content. There's fewer people for them to talk to on the platform. And that can really go in the other direction in the same way it can go up. It can, it can go down. So we have to wait and see, I guess. How would you explain why this matters to your average person? This is what you do. Mm. This is your bread and butter. You write about this all the time. Mm. Why does it matter? Why should your average person care? The thing is, Meta is such an influential company that large parts of the world, it is the internet. You know, there are people who run their businesses on WhatsApp and it's the only free way they can communicate with their families and their loved ones. And so because of that, it's almost like this core infrastructure layer and has more individual users than any other service in history. It really just, it dictates how people communicate and how people make money and, you know, whole economies. And so I think for that reason, it's important to watch, but people in general should probably be spending less time on social media. So I don't know if it's worth obsessing about to the degree that I do, but you know, that's, that's my job. (laughs) For you personally, what is your social network app usage looking like these days? Well, I'm a journalist, so I probably spend way too much time on Twitter. And that's probably my main social network. I know that's not the case for most people. I have Instagram. I have Facebook. I don't really use them. Mm -hmm. I use them for work. Mm -hmm. I use them to kind of, I don't know. I've just found that there's a lot of pressure to post the right thing, say the right thing. And then fear of judgment is very strong. Exactly. And even with stories where they disappear, I've kind of realized like, what am I doing this for? Who am I posting this to? But I do want to see what my friends are doing and like people that I haven't been able to see in person for a long time. So I do see a lot of value in that. But I actually recently scrubbed my entire Instagram. I have no posts. I have no stories. It's private. And it's oh really gosh. just for, for watching what other people are doing. Oh, wow. You're my model. I want to get there. <laughs> I'm so hesitant, but I'm, I'm inching my way that way. So it's good to hear that someone can do it. It can be done. It can be done. Very good to hear. Alex, thank you for joining us. I really appreciated hearing your expertise on this. Thanks for having me. And that's The Take. This episode was produced by Nagin Oliai with Priyanka Tilvey, Ruby Zaman, Amy Walters, Nate Alvarez, Alexandra Locke, and me, Malika Bilal. Alex Rodan is our sound designer. Aya El-Milek is our engagement producer. And Stacey Samuel is our executive producer. And whether you're posting on Instagram and Twitter or just lurking, you can find us there at AJ the Take. We'll be back.